When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins live and in the building. Why, you might ask, is the other oyster boy here? Well, we got National Signing Day coming up tomorrow. 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. You can find that 2 o'clock Eastern time. We'll be rolling until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So everything you need to know, almost less than 24 hours away. When you watch this, we will be 24 hours away. We've got a lot going on, Drew. Terry Bussey, the five-star, still trying to make a decision between Texas A&M, LSU, and Georgia. Tom Loy will come on the show. He'll break that down. Dominic McKinley still leaning towards LSU. We'll get an update on that. Tom Loy will fire in some crystal balls, and then we'll also talk about What's next for Boston College? Bill O'Brien in the mix, and then we'll get to talk a little bit about some 2025s. But, Drew, you said you had one little thing. I like this one. This one seems pretty entertaining. Rick Ross has got a son going to play college football. Is that right? Yeah, Will, William Roberts, offensive lineman out of St. Thomas Aquinas there in South Florida. has won five straight state titles. He's headed to Bethune-Cookman, right? He's going to play a uh, – the Wildcats there in Daytona Beach guy that has been a multi-year starter on the offensive line for the Raiders you know had some big offers early on in his recruitment but he's headed to Bethune who's putting together a sneaky good little HBCU class and Cooper I'm going to be honest you know I had a chance to see him play multiple times I, I think something's there and did you know Rick Ross actually played some college football back in his day where'd he play Albany State, right? Albany, Albany State, man. Are you a little shocked that Miami, even even given, like, you, you go look at the film, right, of William Roberts, Rick Ross's son. It's like you said, there is something there with them. This is a pretty good get for Bethune-Cookman. But are you shocked that Mario Cristobal, just kind of knowing the type of personality that he is and knowing, like, hey, I got The Rock, I got Dwayne The Rock Johnson supporting the program. There are a lot of other people out there that support the Miami program as well. I'm surprised, yeah, I'm surprised someone else didn't take him. I mean, you get Rick Ross in the, in the locker saying. room. Right, exactly. So, anyway, Rick Ross's son, William Roberts, congratulations to him. Bethune-Cookman getting a heck of a player. Great way to start the show. Also, guys, every Tuesday and Wednesday, you can find the Worcester Boys right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. 5 o'clock Eastern time. The boys are plugged in. Everything you need to know about college football recruiting Andrew Ivins and myself will have it covered. And without further ado, Drew, we're going to bring in our third member of our team. How about Tom Loy, man? Just covering all his bases out there in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Shout out Fort Wayne, Indiana. Tom Loy, a lot going on. Less than 24 hours till signing day. And let's start at the top. Uh, and not bury the lead here. About five-star athlete Terry Bussey. We don't know whether he's going to be a receiver. We don't know whether he's going to be a corner. He's been committed to Texas A&M for quite some time. 
That commitment, will it hold true? He's going to sign tomorrow in the early morning, I think 10 a.m. Central Time. But, Tom, what is the latest you're hearing? Georgia, LSU, both making a charge here as well as the Aggies try to hold on to one of the best players in the country. Yeah, I thought at this point we'd actually have a pretty good idea where he's headed, but we really don't. So it's kind of interesting. I really do think it's a three-team race between A&M, LSU, and Georgia. And, you know, all schools are saying you can play offense, defense, whatever you want to do, just get here, we'll figure it out. Um, A&M, from what I've gathered, has always had the most confidence about keeping him. Mike Elko and his staff doing a really good job there. LSU is actually starting to feel more confident they were, at least over the last couple of days. Uh, and in Georgia, I'd probably classify them as more hopeful than confident at this point. But I don't know. Everybody I seem to talk to connected to all three schools and even our great team at 24-7 Sports or team site guys at all three schools, they don't seem to know. And I, I really don't, don't believe that he's told any staff what he's doing. He's probably indicated slightly where he's leaning. That's why I think the, the main pulse is kind of like we think he's going to the Aggies, but we're not sure. Um, but really, it's, it's still too early to tell just 24 hours before he makes a decision. Tom, you're a guy that covered Mike Elko and his time at Notre Dame. Obviously, you followed him to Duke. I kind of said it, first call for Mike Elko when he took over there in College Station should be to Terry Bussey. You know, what do you think the conversation like in the 11th hour for Mike Elko, a guy that has a background on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, Terry Bussey, still much debate about where to use him at the next level. I've heard it from a few of these schools. You know, they think defense as well. Uh, but we're talking about a two-way guy, and I think one of the top two-way guys, maybe since Travis Hunter, to come out of the high school ranks. So what do you think Mike Elko's pitch is as he goes to sleep on Tuesday night? It's probably just about come here and be a part of like the new era at Texas A&M football and, you know, out with the old and Jimbo Fisher and in with the new with Mike Elko. So I really think that's what his pitch is. And I really don't think that he's like, hey, we can turn you into an all-American safety. We can turn you into an all-American corner. We can turn you into an all-American receiver. It really is just come here, be a part of the team, maybe mix you in on both sides of the ball. He's truly a freak athlete, one of the, the genuine difference makers in this class. So I think that's really the pitch. Just kind of be a part of this something new, something different and really get A&M back to the top. That's That's got to be his pitch. Tom, I, I know when it comes to the crystal balls, a lot of people like to hold them close to their chest and wait until the 11th hour until they know. I, I want to know, if you if you had your pick today, you had to put it in, right? You're, you're up against a shot clock. Who are you going with? I hate to be taking the safe route, but I'd probably just stick with A&M at this point. I really do think that they have the most optimism. Talking to guys like Andrew Hattersley and that program, Sonny Ship at LSU and, and the Georgia guys, it, it really does feel like A&M has the most buzz right now. But there is a weird, quiet confidence surrounding LSU that, that they could pull off the, the upset. And, you know, he hasn't really shut it down completely, so usually that means flip. But um, I think, it, like, you know, just gut feeling, I'd probably slide, side with A&M at this point. LSU's got another five-star committed, not signed yet. Will sign tomorrow, more than likely. How about Dominic McKinley? Update on him. I, I know there was some back and forth. Some people thought he would take a late visit to Tennessee. That ends up being canceled. The writing on the wall, it seems like LSU is going to hold on here. What are you hearing about that one? Yeah, I think if McKinley doesn't pick LSU, it'd be one of the biggest signing day shockers in a while, um, despite the fact that he's unsigned. Uh, you know, talking to Sonny Ship, talking to guys connected at LSU, you know, our go-247 uh, staff, they all agree 100% that that uh, he's going to end up sticking with LSU. There's not too much concern. I think if he did make it to Tennessee, all bets were off. But the fact that he didn't, I, I think LSU fans should feel pretty comfortable at this point. 
Dominic McKinley, one of our favorites there at the Under Armour game. Tom, back to Texas A&M, right? Uh, we head into signing day. Really, the recruiting class rankings are are set in stone. Not not a ton of opportunity for movement. But at Texas A&M, if they hold on to Terry Bussey, and then they were to go out and get a guy like Ashton Bethel Roman, who is the only uncommitted individual in the top 247 after he got out of his NLI with Arkansas. Um, what is going on with Ashton Bethel Roman? You know, Will Turboff on the Baylor site reported that he was in Waco at one point. I believe he also got to Houston. We're talking about a, a dynamic wide receiver. So what's the latest there? At least, at least over the weekend, it was a three-team race between A&M, Houston, and Baylor. Um, but as of today, you know, my crystal ball is on the Aggies. Uh, I know that there's a couple guys also, you know, feeling good about the Aggies at this point. So, um, and then even checking with sources at Baylor and Houston, uh, at least as of, you know, Tuesday morning, they were feeling pretty good about the Aggies eventually landing. At, well, I shouldn't say feeling good, but they, they didn't love it. But they felt Aggie, the Aggies were going to get that one done. And actually heard from Bethel Roman uh, Tuesday morning. He told me he's going to announce his decision 2 p.m. Central at Ridgepoint High School on Wednesday. So just got to wait it out uh, 24 more hours. And then, like I said, I think Texas A&M is going to get some good news there. Uh, Coop, man, they pair him with Isaiah Williams, guy we snuck into the top two, four, seven. Those are two guys that can get vertical, all right, and, and create separation after the catch. That would be quite, quite the duo. A&M's doing some things. You think about just kind of how they've ended the 2024 cycle. Robert Bourdon, another guy that they flipped from Duke. They end up getting him to, to sign tomorrow. That's expected. Then you talk about this one, Ashton Bethel-Roman, Texas A&M. They've also done a really nice job in the transfer portal. You kind of wonder, like, all right, what, what's going to be the future of Texas A&M? I think they're going to be a really calculated football team when it comes to roster management. We've seen that already. If they can get a guy like Ashton Bethel-Roman, another guy that we like, top 25 receiver already in the top 247, the Aggies. I don't know if they're going to be as talented maybe under Jimbo Fisher, but in terms of like it feels very like Brian Kelly LSU-ish. The, the floor of that roster is going to be a lot better, and then they're going to really kind of hinge on player development as well. So we'll see what happens with the Aggies. Could be a big 24 hours for them. Drew, you take out Terry Bussey. You take out Dominic McKinley and Ashton Bethel-Roman. That, that's it, right? Well, well, Ryan Williams has got to sign. Ryan Williams has to sign, but that's we, we feel pretty good about where three of the four – of these guys are going tomorrow. People keep asking us, hey, what's signing day going to be like? Well, it's really the Terry Bussey show, right? It's going to be three hours of us talking a lot about Terry Bussey and who's going to get him, A&M, Georgia, LSU. Make sure to stay tuned to that. There are some other names coming off the board as well, and one will be doing that right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. How about Keona Wilhite, the guy who played opposite of Elijah Rushing, right? The former Washington commit. Tom, talk to us about him. He's a number 86 DL, but this is a guy that you see programs like Nebraska, UCLA, still kind of hanging around a little bit. What's the latest with Keona Wilhite? Yeah, there was some chatter about Michigan State early, and then it quickly flipped to UCLA. I know some crystal ball picks went in for the Bruins. Um, so it wasn't interesting last couple of weeks, but at this point, all signs point toward Nebraska getting it done. If you look at the crystal ball, Greg Biggins, Steve Wilfong, Blair Angulo, Brandon Huffman, all on the Huskies. So I got to feel good about Nebraska getting this one done. Uh, and really nice late pickup there for the Huskers. Coop, I don't know if you watched his senior tape of Elijah rushing, but Keona's a guy that popped. I'm like, all right, who's this dude 
This cat playing on the other side of line of scrimmage, 18 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks. I think it'd be a big pickup for the Cornhuskers who have a chance to potentially sign their highest ranked recruiting class or tie for the highest uh, in the 24-7 sports era. Just, you know, some tinkering with the rankings right around that 17-18 range. Tom, another guy out on the West Coast, Nakua Tuakoi. Did I get that? I nailed that? <laughs> Got it. Sounds like BYU is in good shape for the number 50 ranked edge rusher. Yeah, he decommitted from Stanford in October, if I remember correctly. That that initial commitment actually surprised a lot of people. Uh, and then as soon as he decommitted, BYU quickly looked like the team to beat. Um, in talking to some people, there's actually some chatter uh, he may have inked early with BYU in December. I remember Isaiah Foskey a couple years back inked early with Notre Dame and then officially signed on signing day with the rest of his teammates in high school. So there's a possibility that Tuakoi did exactly that. So the feeling is pretty strong that the Cougars are going to be able to get this one done. I'll say, I'll say this. I mean, we just, you know, gaslit Texas A&M. Cooper, if you dig, you know, open up the hood and look at this BYU class, ranks 48th right now. A lot of pieces I like. Reiner Swanson, the tight end. Therion Alexander, a long corner out of the state of uh, Georgia. Puka Nakua's brother. I mean, new look Big 12. I'm kind of buying some stock in BYU. Yeah, we're getting into sicko mode a little bit, yeah, talking about yeah, a top 50 class, yeah, number 48 from the BYU Cougars. Tay Nakua, right? It's another yeah. guy we've been discussing behind the scenes a little bit. Got to be buttoned up on the genetics, right? If we've learned one thing, <laughs> be buttoned up. Puka Nakua took the NFL by storm. They got, they got Matt Asiata's son as well. There you go. All right, uh, Tom, one more here. Zakaro Lewis, uh, who a lot of fans out there, especially Colorado fans, might remember the one-time Buffalo's commit. He's down to Tulane or South Florida. And I'll tell you this. We're crushing on BYU a little bit. I'm crushing on Tulane, man. I know I'm a New Orleans boy, but I like what they're getting done, especially in the transfer portal. And then you talk about what they're getting done in the high school ranks as well. Tom, could it be more good news for John Summerall down there in New Orleans? Yeah, I got a weird feeling that it's the Tulane's going to end up getting this one done. I'd probably say that there's more optimism with South Florida right now. I think the sources connected to Tulane are a little bit, they're almost like cautiously optimistic, nervous, like it's just not going to work out in the end. Um, but if he actually, if Lewis picks Tulane in the end, it's absolutely not going to surprise me. I know they're doing a great job. And and like you said, they've been, been hitting the portal really hard. Landon Mario Williams out of USC, Ty Thompson from Oregon, landed a couple four-star players this cycle, and Dominic Stewart and Jaden Lewis and just they're doing a really good job so this would be some icing on the cake here if they could pull uh lewis out of the sunshine state hey look i i know we're in the weeds here it's like carl lewis was committed to colorado the senior tape for this kid pops I, I can't put my thumb on why you know he's looking at the group of five ranks like I, he's a guy that i think could transfer up huge senior season at venice high school my wife's alma mater helped him make it all the way to the state title game i mean he is a pint-sized playmaker but run after catch acceleration He's a dude in the slot, and I think someone's getting a steal. I think these guys are starting to wise up a little bit. You talk about these players that have opportunities to play in the Power Five and are, are talented enough to play there now with a 12-team playoff in college football, and then you take into consideration the NIL component of this as well. A guy like Zakarl Lewis, who might be a plan B for a team, a second-tier program in the Power Five, that's a plan A. That's a that's a huge get for a program like John Summerall and Tulane, Alex Galesh, and South Florida. So you think about that a little bit. I think we'll, we'll start to see that kind of even out. Jashawn Ridgel, a guy that we awarded a four-star uh, to yesterday going over to Houston. I couldn't believe he was a high three-star. There was a guy that had verified testing, also had the production as well. He's committed to South Alabama. Tulane was in there. You would think 
one of those programs in that footprint, especially in the SEC, would have sniffed out a guy like Ja'Shawn Ridgell. That is not the case. So now you start to think about teams like Tulane. Now you start to think about teams like USF. Who could potentially be on the rise? And Drew, the other part about this is you're an automatic qualifier if you're the highest ranked team in the group of five, right? So you are going to have a seat at the table at the end of the day. There's a lot of play for these guys to see what happens uh, over the next couple years and see if that's a trend possibly as well. Tom, another name out there, Josiah Knight, was a guy that I believe enrolled early uh, at Illinois. Um, kind of an interesting situation here as you kind of read between the lines, but it seems like he's going to be let out of his NLI uh, and be able to test the market again. I got to pause before I say that. I get those confused just like everybody else. But what's the latest with Josiah Knight? Yeah, so he signs with Illinois in December, enrolls early, gets announced as part of the class by Illinois. And then I'm told there's kind of an admissions holdup um, that wasn't caught initially. Um, and then they released him from his, his letter of intent. They said, we can make it work. We just need a few months, get you back in, you know, enroll in the summer with the rest of the class. But I guess Knight didn't really have any interest in that, and he didn't really trust it necessarily working out. So visited Mississippi State, and now it looks like the Bulldogs are going to get it done. I know Jeremy Werner, a great insider of our Illinois site, he crystal balled him to Mississippi State after the visit. Uh, seems like Mississippi State's going to get it done and a really nice late pickup. When this came across my feed, I'm like, w w what is going on? Like, he, they announced him at a basketball game. Like, he stood in front of, like, 20,000 people, and then he's taking an official visit to Mississippi State. Like, this is, this is our, our lane right here. Like, what? I've never heard of this. I think Josiah Knight, I was excited. Like, senior tape was awesome. You think about Illinois, Gay Bacchus, you know, Jerzon Newton. They squeeze the most out of these kind of developmental edge rushers, a little bit undersized. Maybe they don't have the production there. Would be a nice pickup for Mississippi State, uh, who's really, ever since that uh, coaching change, has done an excellent job. Yeah, I'm excited about Mississippi State. You mentioned Jeff Levy. A lot of people think offense, right? Drew, this one was fired up. You said, hey, 10 minutes before the show, let's throw it in there. I think this is kind of newsworthy, noteworthy. And now we know Josiah Knight more than likely leaning to play his football the next level with Mississippi State. Tom, as we did last week, we allow you the uh, floor to throw in some crystal balls. And we got a couple, man. In 2024, uh, I've said this maybe for the last month. We're putting a bow on this thing, finally. There will be some finality to this tomorrow, I promise. But, Tom, now it's about 2025 as we look ahead, and it looks like Auburn, Notre Dame, UVA, they could be in business here soon. What you got, my man? Yeah, so I joined actually Christian Clementi over at Auburn on the cover last night uh, and picked uh, Hollis Davidson, the tight end, to land at Auburn. Uh, we both threw in the crystal ball picks, feel really good about the Tigers following his visit to campus. Really like this kid, still pretty new to football. I think he started playing as a freshman, a uh, longtime soccer player, loaded with upside, but uh, wouldn't be shocked if Auburn got good news here in the, in the near future. Um, I like Notre Dame to get this one done for four-star safety Jadon Blair. Um, there's some heavy hitters still in play. Notre Dame, Michigan, Penn State, South Carolina. Um, I think the relationship with Marcus Freeman, Chris O'Leary, it's second to none. So I like the Irish to get that one done. He's got some big official visits that we first reported, South Carolina, May 31st, Notre Dame, the following week, Michigan after that, and then Penn State for the following weekend after that. Um, I think he either commits to Notre Dame after that official visit on June 7th, and if he doesn't, watch out for Michigan and Penn State, but I feel really good that at least as of today, Notre Dame leads there. And then the last one is offensive lineman Grayson Reed uh, to Virginia. I think they're doing a great job there. Duke's the other team to watch, but I actually was liking them a little bit more when Mike Elko was still at Duke. So 
UVA seems to be trending uh, in, in the right direction. They're doing a great job of treating him like priority number one at the center position. Um, they see him as a future NFL draft pick, big-time talent. Um, and Jackie Franchuli over at our Virginia site is actually going to join me with this crystal ball. So we both agree that Virginia is the team to beat as of today. Tom, you've been covering Notre Dame for a, a long time uh, and one of the most trusted sources when it comes to that program. Does this class in 2025 for Marcus Freeman, does it feel different than anything you've ever seen before? It's funny, I've been asked that a lot lately, and, and I still stand by top to bottom. I do believe the 24 class is going to be better than the 25 class, and um, I just, I really like that top end, the, the guys like C.J. Carr and Bryce Young and Kingston Villiamuasa. I think top to bottom, when you really look at it, I do think 24 will be higher ranked than 25, but I think altogether, what Marcus Freeman's doing is so much different than what Brian Kelly was doing. He would, Kelly would take so many soft, easy takes just to kind of start building the class uh, and Freeman's actually landing uh, difference makers and I think you guys would agree because you watch so much tape but I, I just think it feels different um, there's a there's a great buzz around Notre Dame and um, you know the sky's the limit with what they're doing under Marcus Freeman Tom <laughs> the rank number one man you're saying where, 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 where do you think they're going to finish it's February 6th okay long way to go I don't I don't see that sticking but uh, I think in the end we're looking at another you know potential top 10 class but all, all in all, I like 24 a little better than 25. Yeah, Tom, you're a realist. We appreciate that as always. Tom Loy, thank you for stopping by, my friend. We will see you next week as always. Tom Loy, the man to follow right there. Everything you need to know, college football recruiting, especially the Notre Dame Irish. You can find him on X at Tom Loy 247. Guys, I've said it. The signing day show is here. That is tomorrow, February 7th, 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock Eastern time. Everything you need to know, college football recruiting, we will have all hands on deck here in Nashville, Tennessee. That's why my friend, the Oyster Boy himself, Andrew Ivins, is here. And Drew, I don't know, maybe we can talk a little bit about Notre Dame. I mean, you, you cover Notre Dame for a little bit. You and I have talked about Notre Dame. It's funny what Tom said about, hey, this feels so different. Because I remember year one, I got a lot of flack for this, but I said it kind of at Marcus Freeman's first class, it kind of felt like Brian Kelly. I will give Marcus Freeman a lot of credit from year one to year two to now year three. I, I feel like it's gotten better and better incrementally year over year. And in, and in terms of the top end talent, I feel Notre Dame is. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving non stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Doing a better job of that as well. They have kind of learned some lessons, adapted quickly, and I think Marcus Freeman's on his way. What's your feel just overall as Notre Dame, as a recruiting program from Brian Kelly to Marcus Freeman? What's the difference maybe you see? 
Well, I don't think they have the biggest of pools, right, when it comes to prospects that want to be at Notre Dame, prospects that are going to fit Notre Dame. I think what they have done is have gotten better at identifying the individuals that belong in South Bend and getting aggressive. Ivan Taylor, uh, one of our top ranked safeties, you know, a kid out of the Orlando area, the entire SEC wanted him. And, uh, you know, dad played in the NFL. They thought there was going to be connection there. They go and they lock him up. Jaden Blair, another top ranked safety, the one that Tom just crystal balled to the Irish, you know, six foot four, 191 pounds. Dad played college football, played overseas in NFL Europe. They're trending for him. So I, I think they've just done a good job of finding guys with some developmental upside um, and guys that fit that program. Want to be at Notre Dame for the right reasons. And, and the biggest thing that stands out to me, I, you know, I was on the radio this morning, just elevating that quarterback room, whether it be the transfer portal, whether it be the high school recruiting, you know, they go and they get Sam Hartman. Now it's Riley Leonard, but they got CJ Carr, who they beat Michigan out for. Um, they got Deuce Knight, who I think is a, a wild card, kind of like DJ Lagway was in the 2024 cycle. We don't know what he is. Excited to see him this spring. And then again, uh, in his senior season. So I think it's impressive. And, you know, we were wondering, or we, we've said it after they lost Keon Keeley, how do you guys get, how do you get those talents across the finish line? I think they did it with Kingston. Viliami Lassa, and I think they did it with Bryce Young. And those were two, like, you got to give it to Notre Dame and their staff. Those weren't like these high-profile recruitments. Viliami Lassa was, to some extent, they go out all the way to California, Southern California, and they beat a down USC team for Viliami Lassa. That still shows the strength, right, in terms of Notre Dame and the brand. Bryce Young was a great ID in eval. You talk about a guy that kind of fits that program and what they're all about ton of developmental upside there. I think Irby Lambert kind of fits into that category as well. The other thing, Drew, I want to touch on with Notre Dame is you and I talked about Ole Miss and their ability to kind of stack that quarterback room. And guess what? In today's day and age, not all those guys are going to finish in Oxford. I think it's the same way in South Bend, which is great, though. I mean, you talk about Riley Leonard, C.J. Carr, not to mention Kenny Minchie and Deuce Knight, who's a complete wild card. But if he hits, the payout is huge. I think teams are starting to get a little bit more strategic, smarter when it comes to building their quarterback room. But if you look at Notre Dame, that was a major weakness, that quarterback position under Brian Kelly. Marcus Freeman had to make that priority, get it right. They kind of fire me up, dude. Now you bring, you bring back Mike Denbrock, you have a little bit of continuity as well. Notre Dame offensively can put it together. You mentioned it as well. 12-team playoff, why not Notre Dame? Why, why can't they finish there next year? So a lot of high expectations. Any final thoughts on them? Uh, we, I mean, we talked about it off air. You're right. Like, if we're going to 12 teams, like, how is Notre Dame not on the bubble every year? They should be right in exactly. that zone. Exactly. Right? That's, that's, that's where that's they are. 13, 14, right? Like, right. All right. Now let's talk about the hottest team in college football recruiting. You want to talk about Ohio State, the Buckeyes. How about Naeem Alford, guy from Alabama, number two corner in the country, number six overall. Well, guess what they do? They pair him with the number one corner in the country, Devin Sanchez, who committed to the Buckeyes just a couple weeks earlier as well. And they already have another guy in Blake Woodby as well. So you think about Ohio State, Drew, you and I kind of talked about, hey, if there's one team that maybe just traditionally took a, a little bit of a step back, right, in terms of the new age of college football and recruiting, you could argue that that was Ohio State. Exit Nick Saban, there was another conversation that was had on signing day and it said, hey, or excuse me, after signing day, what team has the most to gain? And immediately my, my head went to Georgia, went to Athens, and went to Kirby Smart. I think the, the way the last couple weeks have played out with Naeem Offert, with Devin Sanchez, with some of these guys, 
now the Southeast seems to be a little bit more open and a little bit more receptive to Ryan Day in Columbus because guess what? As good of a coach as Kalen DeBoer is, he's still very much on prove-it terms to a lot of these players in that footprint. I think Ohio State has done a tremendous job piggybacking off the success that they've had in the portal, and they've brought that to the high school ranks as well, and enough is never enough. I mean, they are kind of recruiting with their hair on fire right now. They're throwing everything they got at it, and guess what? Coming off that 2023 season, which there was a lot of expectations, it was difficult. I could look back on this and maybe just a year from now and say, you know what? That 2023 season was maybe the best thing to ever happen to this Ohio State program. That's what I was going to say. It feels like Ohio State and the people that support the program are as bought in as ever. And is that because of Michigan's success? I, I would think so. We saw Caleb Downs, you know, the guys that have come via the transfer portal. But, man, the, the, the string of 2025 commitments they're on – Devin Sanchez, Naeem offered Carter Lowe. Those are some of the 25s that I feel the best about. And we're eventually going to have to roll out our first 32 five-star full-player field. I think there's a chance all three of those guys are going to be early five-stars. Love Devin Sanchez. Love Naeem offered. I mean, they are height, weight, speed corners. We went back and forth about trying to figure out, all right, who's CB1, who's CB2? And it's super close. I think it could flip throughout the cycle. You toss in Blake Woodby. I think he's the top inside nickel corner in this class like this duo and and Caleb Downs is already there and they brought some guys in in the 2024 cycle like that secondary is elite Carter Lowe to me one of the most athletic tackles has only played football for a little bit I think if you're an Ohio State fan you got to be you got to be excited about just kind of the direction you know I want to see what else they can, they're able to go get in this this 2025 class and you know they now they got to hold on to them right you know they held on to Jeremiah Smith but you don't think Georgia is going to eventually make a run at Naeem Offord? You don't think Texas is going to come after Devin Sanchez? So, I mean, so far, so good. We'll see, we'll see what happens as, it, as, as the year moves on. It's the best position to be in, right? You'd rather be in the driver's seat, play 100%. defense the 100%. entire way. Because you just did it with Jeremiah Smith. Right. They've done it with guys in the past before. And then the other thing is you got the momentum on the field as well. I mean, if there was a time for Ohio State to go all in, it's right now. And Sharon Moore, rookie head coach, he's going to have to go through some things, some growing pains with that job. I think that are just naturally going to occur for a rookie head coach, that situation, even though he's had the continuity under Jim Harbaugh. Michigan right now, that staff starting to see some defectors as well. A couple guys going to the NFL. How about Jay Harbaugh? One of those guys will lose Jesse Minter too. So Ohio State saying, okay, now is the time to go all in. And it seems like the Buckeyes are doing that. So the other thing I'll say, the last thing, you mentioned Carter Lowe. I love them getting two of the best corners in the country, literally, the way that we have them stacked. They got to get it right on the offensive line, right? And this has become a point of attack game. I think if there's any vulnerabilities in Ohio State, the last couple years has been at the POA. Michigan has exposed that. UGA, they had a great matchup in the CFP. They're right there, right? You're trying to figure out how to go from really good to great, right? You're, you're doing that 1% type of conversation. So we'll see what happens with the Buckeyes. They're recruiting like absolute madmen right now. How about Stanford? Bear Bachmeyer, top 247 quarterback. Guy got some pub yesterday. Right? Know, He's right? out like, there. <laughs> this dude, uh, if there's anybody that just has a flair for just being on social media, it's not him himself, uh, but this guy is well-renowned throughout the country. Drew the number 15 quarterback per 24-7 sports, number 204 overall. He commits to Stanford. He follows up four-star and former top 247 quarterback Elijah Brown. Listen, the, these two aren't the most uh, 
developmental upside type of prospects, right? They're not dripping. They're, they're not like the, the Deuce Knight quarterback that gets you or Walker White that gets you so excited. But in terms of the command of the game and the feel of the game, I kind of like what Troy Taylor has brought in the last two years and where Stanford is heading in the ACC. These are two guys that really just have a very good feel for how to play the quarterback position. They add Bear Bachmeyer, like I said, with Elijah Brown. You look at Stanford, their future, I think there's reason to be optimistic. Yeah, Cole Tab, their 2024 running back signing. We just made him a four-star prospect. I think you got to think about Stanford in the new look ACC. And you have two quarterbacks that you said they won a lot on Friday nights. I think they are higher floor players. And I think the quarterback position this past season was a bit of a mess for Stanford. It, it, it's been a mess in recent years. And now you got two guys that you think you can win with. Hopefully at some point they're battling it out with each other. So, no, I, I, I like the pickup. And what stands out to me about Bear, as, a, as opposed to Elijah, he can run the football. You know, over 12, 1,200 career rushing yards, you know. He's, got, he's built like a baseball catcher. I think you said that after the OT7 finals. He's like a thick, college-ready build. And we were around Elijah Brown at the Elite 11. He was like a bigger guy than I initially had thought. He's a more athletic version than his brother, Hank Bachmeyer, who's been bouncing around the and country. You know he's at right? Wake Forest now? Yeah, now at Wake Forest, right. Yeah. So he started where? He started at Boise, transferred. La Tech. La Tech. Wake. San Diego State? I don't know. We, no, we might Wake be missing Forest. one. I don't know. We might be missing a stop. Now, Bear Bachmeyer is going to try to get it right in Palo Alto. How about this one? Thomas Meyer, number 10 tight end, top 150 player overall, 2025. He's going to Iowa, and I'm watching the tape this morning, and I'm thinking, like, okay, Iowa's done it again, right? This one kind of feels like that type of guy. You dig into the background, AAU basketball, two-way snaps, tight end, defensive end, two-time All-State selection as a defensive lineman. You turn on the tape. Guy runs well. He's got really good ball skills. You see the upside as a inline blocker can attach, detach. You're like, this guy just feels very Iowa, right? And you think about the positions that Iowa and Kirk Ferentz has such a lineage of developing. Tight ends is one of those position groups, right? You think about defensive end, pass rusher as well. Tackles, you can throw it in there. But Drew, I, I don't know if it's going to be right away that he steps on campus, and is an immediate impact player, but you're talking about like that two to three year period, what this guy can be when it's all said and done. We got him at 149 right now. I'd be willing to bet he's going to continue to kind of work his way up the board. This dude's kind of awesome. I'm fired up for the Hawkeyes. <laughs> I'm smiling because I love you know. Thomas Meyer, right? Already on the freaks list, watch list. And I love the fit at Iowa for everything you just said. Think about all the individuals that have come through there how they've transformed their bodies, gotten just better, bigger, and all that. I had heard a while back that the Hawkeyes had kind of circled Thomas Meyer. Is like, all right, this is, this is the guy we want in 2025. And I believe it's the first commit for them in that cycle. I mean, write the name down now. Thomas Meyer, like what, 2026, 2027? Like he's an all Big Ten type of player. There is Sunday potential there, even if he wasn't going to Iowa. But I love the marriage between the two. Uh, fired up, and I agree, Cooper. I mean, number 10 tight end right now. We, we're considering listing him as an athlete. Love the two-way snaps. All stayed on both sides of the ball. I, I think he could be a, a pass rusher if he wanted to. I mean, he'd be, we'd rank him in the top two, four, seven. So love this pickup. These guys just seem to like grow on trees. At Iowa, you know, you talk about like Caden Proctor, Xavier Nwankpo was another guy. You can go down the list. You think about 
what they've uh, accomplished already. Cooper DeJean, another guy that's going to go early, probably a first-round pick, going to play corner at the next level. So Iowa getting it done. Thomas Meyer, like Drew said, name to know. Drew, now as we transition to the transaction wire, talking about 2025, how about Jeff Halfley, head coach of Boston College? He's gone. He's going to be the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, work with Coach LaFleur over there. You think about that a little bit, and it kind of feels like, all right, Halfley's first. Chip Kelly could be second. Had a couple interviews in the NFL with Commanders, also with the Raiders, too. Shoot, there are even rumors about him going to be the OC for Ohio State, which would be crazy, right? A, a guy with – go work for a guy within your own conference in the Big Ten. Boston College opens up. It's an intriguing job in the ACC. We've heard Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator at Ohio State. We've heard Al Washington, defensive line coach at Notre Dame. A couple academy coaches as well, Troy Calhoun, Air Force, and then you think about Jeff Munkin over at West Point. I guess two-part question for me. Your initial reaction to hearing Halfley saying, hey, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm leaving for the NFL. I'm going to be a coordinator over there. And the other thing I think about this, Drew, is that I actually think Halfley has a better opportunity to go to the league, have success, and then within two to three years be a head coach of his own except on Sundays and not Saturdays and not have to deal with any of the shenanigans that he's been dealing with at Boston College over the last couple of years. First reaction, is this a sign of what's to come? Yes. And I think we saw it last cycle or last coaching carousel with the assistants and the coordinators. Now we got a head, sitting head coach at a Power 5 program, right? A program that, you know, Zay Flowers came out of there. Remember Zay Flowers, what was the number he threw out? I, I got offered, was it 600,000, 800,000? I stayed at BC. I think Halfley's just, he's over it, right? He's over trying to hold on to those guys. He's over trying to fundraise. I think he sees the writing on the wall, and he did a few different stories. I know one of them was with, with the guys over at On3, and the, the quotes were eye-opening about roster management, right? Retaining your roster, recruiting your roster. So I have no idea what direction Boston College goes, but I'm concerned when a talented football coach is leaving the college game and going to the NFL. I've said this multiple times. There's absolutely no reason for the quality of life to be better in the NFL than it is on Saturdays. This is not rocket science. I think the NCAA, as much as we've talked about it on this show, that's the issue right now is that they are losing a lot of very talented coaches who have a better opportunity to go work in the NFL. And guess what? A lot of these opportunities are not better opportunities financially, but they make a lot more sense from a work-life balance standpoint. You've seen a lot of guys, right? You just saw that list. Jim Harbaugh obviously makes a leap. That's something that he's been trying to do for quite some time. Jay Harbaugh, his son, off to the NFL to go work for Ben McDonald, another guy that came from college now having an opportunity to be a head coach on Sundays. All right, that's part one. College football, they got a problem. Part two here, Drew. Who do you like for this job? That, like, to me, if I'm the AD at Boston College, this is a way to kind of get creative for it. I would imagine they're limited on resources here. Bill O'Brien, I don't know how you feel about that one. I feel like it's been done. I feel like this is a guy who's kind of been put through the ringer. Now he's an OC at Ohio State. With all due respect to Bill O'Brien, I think he's a really good play caller. I would be looking outside of that type of sphere for a different type of head coach. The name that kind of came up to me that I thought was interesting and a guy that I worked with who played his ball at Boston College, who I really like, and he's got a lot of support there, Al Washington, position coach right now, defensive lineman, defensive line coach at Notre Dame. I think this is a guy, like, if you're, you're BC, I, I would think they would be in the situation where everything's going to be important. 
right? You just talked about how hard it is to keep a roster intact. Everything's going to be important from how much you're paying your head coach to what his salary pool looks like. And every dollar is going to be accounted for. I could see them going in that type of direction, maybe even in the service academy way, if it's a guy like Munkin or Troy Calhoun. Bill O'Brien, to me, just feels like, I don't know. I don't I don't know. Like, hey, hey, let's try something different, and let's see if we can get somebody in there who's got a holistic process view and is going to make recruiting really important that understands that region as well. Well, that's what I was going to bring up. I think you need a program builder in terms of, all right, we're going to win with culture. We're going to win with scheme, right? We are going to recruit individuals that want to be here. I mean, look at where Boston College is located. And recruiting is as, as national as ever right now. And I b- believe the previous sna- staff was, you know, flirting with Texas. They would go down in there, spot recruit in different regions, different hotbeds. I, I think someone with the right scheme and that wants to be there for a few years, that- that's going to be the answer. And Boston College needs to figure out, are we trying to be one of the bubble teams fighting for that spot? Because, you know, look at the ACC. It it seems to usually be a a, a place where teams will get caught sleeping. And are there physical, you know, smash mouth type of program? So, I don't know, Jeff Monken, Troy Calhoun, those are the two that that stand out to me on this list. Yeah, you know what's funny is like BC started one and three last year. They went seven and six. It's not like Halfley wasn't a good coach, right? For the expectations of Boston College, I think you're looking at high expectations, eight to nine wins a year, if you could do that in the ACC. And I think the ACC now is kind of open, right? We'll see what happens. Clemson's taking a step back. Florida State certainly has surged in that conference. We'll see what happens with Miami. Change at Duke, Mike Elko now in the SEC. So a door possibly open for BC would be interesting to see what they do here. Drew, that's it on the script. But I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go off-roading a little bit because it's a rare occasion we have you in studio here in Nashville. I want to talk about something that went down yesterday was that the All-American Bowl on NBC announced that they will now be accepting juniors this upcoming year for the All-American Bowl. It's something you and I have had a lot of dialogue about, been conversations around it, and I think a lot of that conversation started after this year. And you talk about the trickle-down effect, and I think a lot of people will ask, well, what do you you mean by that, the trickle-down effect? I mean, this starts with Christian McCaffrey, who I think was the first of his kind to step out and say, I'm not playing in a bowl game, and I think that was a New Year's Six Bowl at the time. You've seen that kind of radiate now through college football. Now where it's a normalcy, right? Now with the All-American Bowl in high school, these players are starting to enroll earlier, get to campus sooner, and then practice with their teams, which there's a lot of value in that. You would understand why a player would want to get to campus early, get as many reps as possible, and start to understand and have a continuity of what's expected of them. We had six quarterback invites this past year, right? the original six that went out, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, none of those six who originally accepted ended up playing in the game. Now we see this pivot to juniors. You, you had a lot to do with this decision. Break it down in terms of the thought process and kind of what went into that. We're responding to what the market is telling us, okay? Me and you always talk about the All-American Bowl kind of being like the Senior Bowl, which we just saw this past weekend down in Mobile. Jim Nagy, friend of the show, does an excellent job and what did you see with these, the, the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl? Underclassmen allowed to play for the first time. The NFL has realized, okay, you know, just with the declarations, what's going on, we need to allow these younger guys to play. 
flip over to our game. You said it, six quarterback invites. There's actually 13 quarterback invites that went out for the 2024 edition of the game. And it, we had, it took 13 to get six. I remember when every single one of those invites went out. I mean, heck, I, I was the one that invited Jaden Davis after the FBU freshman All-American game. Uh, I remember when CJ Carr got it after the National Combine. At the time, those were like big moments for those kids. And just with how the game has progressed, college football playoff, programs want these kids to come in and get their feet wet, you know, get them in that bowl setting, right? Allow them, help them prepare for the Rose Bowl or whatever, whatever bowl game they're in. I, look, I get it. I mean, absolutely do that. But I feel like we've gotten to the point where the on-field competition has turned into more of like a, a pro bowl of sorts, you know? And that's, that's, I don't think what NBC wanted. I don't think that's what the All-American Bowl wanted. I think they wanted the best product available. And this isn't a knock on, on recent year's games. I, I thought the 2024 game was, was excellent, but it's only going to get worse in terms of the opt-outs and the guys that are moving away. You know, think about the college football playoff going from four teams to 12 teams, and it's also starting a week earlier. So now it's going to be a race if you're committed to one of these 12 programs. And there could be, what, 16 teams in the mix? You're trying to graduate early. You're trying to get there as fast as you can. You can get all the bowl gifts. You can go through practices. You can start getting your NIL checks. Everyone's going to be wanting to do that. And then we look at it. All right, w w everything's so accelerated right now. The juniors, they're going to want to play in this game. They're going to need to play in this game. You want to make a name for yourself? You want to get evaluated not only by me and you and, and the rest of the team at 24-7 Sports. All the colleges are going to be tuned in. Because they're going to want to know how big this individual is. What does he look like best on best? So, you know, yeah, we met in San Antonio. I thought it was the direction that we should go. Get some juniors in the game. You know, initially there's been some pushback in, in different areas. I think everyone's going to want to be in it. And Coop, it's going to be like that, that practice we had on Wednesday. The, the joint practice. You said it was the best, what, two hours we got out of the 18 days of all-star events we did. Competition was ramped up. And I think when the juniors have an opportunity to not only climb in the rankings, but to elevate their stock, you know, you're talking about a kid from, you keep using the example of Lincoln Kineholtz. Think about Gatlin Bear, right? Gatlin Bear, junior year. Yeah, we know he's fast. No one knows what he looks like against the nation's top corners. I mean, he's a kid, he, he, it's self-corrected. He ended up at Oregon. Yeah, but there was a time he was going to Boise State, you know? So I, 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 I love this decision. I'm excited. And, and the feedback I've gotten from Eric Richards, who was the uh, director of recruiting for the game, a lot of people are fired up. Multiple examples now and, and how it changes. And people might say, okay, well, that's not that significant of a change. But if you, if you think about it, it is significant because the game would take place in January. And because the majority, what, we're over 93, 94% of the top 247 had already signed in December, the hay was in the barn for the majority of these guys, right? You mentioned a guy like Gatlin Bear at the time had already kind of whittled down his choices to two programs. You mentioned Gatlin Bear. What about a guy like TJ Moore? You and I trying to figure out, and the rest of the scouting team trying to figure out the receivers, the top players in the country, we feel like we have a pretty good feel for it. TJ Moore in that game, heading to Clemson, by the way, newly minted five-star, goes out and has two or three touchdowns, 165 yards receiving, and completely changes the perception 
of what type of player we feel that he can be after seeing good on good and after seeing 19 in the top 20 receivers in the country over the last three weeks before. Now you think about a guy like that doing that before he's even played one game of his senior season. Think about the unintended, maybe intended consequences of this game for a guy like TJ Moore and says, hey, I just went out on the same field as Jeremiah Smith, who's ranked the number one player in the country and is a generational talent. And I was pound for pound the best player there. And think about that. I, I can see it already. The people in the ear of these players, the people ultimately at the end of the day that are going to have conversations with the program saying, hey, the price just went up. And this is why, because everybody saw it. It was on NBC. It was a nationally televised game. You saw good on good. And my guy just beat the number one corner in the country or a top five rated player at his position. And this is what it looks like. So you think about that. And then you also think about a guy like Lincoln Kineholz, who was committed to Washington, was from South Dakota. You don't get to see in that setting very often. You maybe get to see it once. You think about his trajectory changing. And guess what? He ended up at Ohio State. I think ultimately at the end of the day, his recruitment kind of evened out. I think what's going to happen now these recruitments in terms of where these guys eventually end up is going to be accelerated by six months. And that's what we're going to see. So um, I think it's going to be fascinating because I don't think a lot of people are really thinking about it, but I think it's going to have a huge ripple effect on college football recruitments, especially at the top of the game. And then if you're one of those second tier programs, right, we're talking about Boston College, like what happens if you're Minnesota and you got Corey Parrish, who's the MVP of that game? committed to you and you, you've done a good job he's from the state of Miss minnesota kept him under wraps but god forbid somebody says you know what i want to see that player in that game he goes out and does what he does now you got to play defense all the way until signing day until december that's a long time this game's in january we're talking about 11 months so you think about that those type of players I think there's going to be a little bit of a push and pull. I think some of these programs that maybe have those guys committed are going to say, I don't want you playing in that game. <laughs> and if you do, you might lose your spot. But I can see all of that happening here as this game starts to change. Well, I know we're up against the clock. Two thoughts. What makes the, Nash, or the NFL Combine what it is? You don't know where these guys are going, right? I, I know we're kind of in the demographic and we're sickos and I'll watch all five days of the Combine, you know, from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., but there's buzz around the NFL draft because you don't know where these guys are going to go. We are going to create that with the All-American Bowl. Yes, yeah, some of them will be committed, but there's going to be a guy that shows up and measures in with 36-inch arms, and you're going to be sitting at home. You're going to be like, I want that guy at my team. You know, what, what did Tom Loy say when he checked in? So I think we're going to create some excitement there. And the second thing is we just made our lives harder. Like the decision to go younger is only coming back on the, on the scouting team at 24-7 Sports and Eric Richards and the guys at the All-American Bowl, we have to identify guys, and it's not going to be easy. But I think we have the group of people to do it. We have the software to do it. We have the resources to do it. We have to go find these guys before the colleges do. And we're gonna, what are we going to do? We're going you know, to lean heavily on traits, multi-sport verifieds. I mean, it's easy to pick a bunch of guys when they're on the national scene. No, we're going to have to get out you know, the magnifying glass. We're going to have to go find him. It'll be a fun exercise for the boys at 24-7 Sports. And uh, like Drew mentioned, that game will be brought to you in January. Starting this upcoming year, juniors will be allowed to play in that game. Guys, I mentioned 
National Signing Day, that is tomorrow, February 7th from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll have all the coverage right here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. If you guys happen to stick around for the entire show, please like and subscribe. As always, we appreciate you guys. And guess what? Big day tomorrow. Let's clap it up. We'll see you tomorrow. Andrew Ivins, we appreciate you. And guys, thanks again for stopping by. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.